There's a monumental shift in power at work. Employees are speaking up, turnover is rising, salaries are increasing, hiring is tough, and burnout is real. It's time to unleash growth. It's time to transform your HR from powerless to powerful. Join ADP on February the 23rd. Reserve your spot now. Go to gettheplan.adp.com to register for the Work Interrupted Summit. Hello, everyone, and uh, Happy New Year. Uh, Thanks very much for listening uh, again to Get Out of Rap. Today, I'm joined by Angela Hill-Wilson, who is the co-founder and director of Bridgehouse Consulting, is a lay trustee of Warwick University. Mm -hmm. And um, I'm really pleased we we spoke in the uh, last year, it is now, um, about you coming on, and we had a lovely chat. And I'm really looking forward and thanks to this. And thanks very much for joining us today, Angela. Great. Great. Really delighted to uh, be out in 2022, having my first conversation with your good self. No, well, um, let's start with, shall we, a question that everyone seems to love in these um, podcasts, which is how have you got here today? What's been your journey um, that brings you sat talking to me now? Wow, wow. So in, in terms of uh, how I started my, my work career and how I yep. to being here. So, uh, well, I'm a Londoner and uh, very uh, fortunate to, you know, have come through schooling and all, all of that. Got to, um, I went to Warwick University as a means of escaping mum and dad. <laughs> and, uh, taking on my passion around history at the time uh, when I came out of uni my my folks uh, ran a pub they were the uh, one of the first uh, first among the uh, you know black business owners to own a pub in Acton in London for a bit of a novelty and uh, I think I'm a been a bit of a novelty in most things I do really? um, and they were very keen on me joining the family business um, which I did help in holidays, but didn't necessarily want to make that my career yet. So I got involved with um, an organisation called Programs, which at that time uh, was one of the very early, um, well, we, we were called telemarketing. We weren't even called call centres at that point. So, um, but they had a graduate programme, which really um, featured bringing on women as leaders oh. and uh, so you know which I said to my parents I'm going to go and get some real you know management and leadership skills and uh, you know true to their word I, I joined in the communication side and telemarketing uh, graduated as a supervisor and uh, then got into I suppose account, running accounts being an HR person or recruitment to begin with um, and then I was very fortunate to, uh, I had a, my early mentor, Jane Angling, uh, adopted me to uh, help us grow the business at that time, which became Programs Limited. Um, one of the sort of major players at that time, we were, we had lots of learning and development, experiential, technical skills, communication skills. So it was very intense, um, very enjoyable. Many of my uh, friends and colleagues of the of that era are still 
um, making it happen in the world, um, and you probably have come across them. Um, and it is also the place where I did eventually meet Martin Hill Wilson, really? <laughs> who's my partner. But he was working in Amsterdam at the time when we first met at uh, one of the works social do's. Um, yeah, so really, I spent a good 15 years in, uh, in programmes and the call centre environment was like an opening out to the rest of the organisation. So I started on the phones, learnt my customer service side, got into um, business planning. We were one of the organisations that people like to come and benchmark. So very quickly, I was um, describing what I do, how we did it in programmes and um, uh, taking tours around, you know, taking lots of companies on tours who were looking then to set up their own in-house operations. So working in an outsourced space, but helping in-house organisations mm. to do that. Mm. So then I got into developing my consulting skills, uh, business planning, uh, and really, then I was out for, I suppose, the last, the next period of time, uh, setting up call centres up and down the UK, as the government at the time was really into um, setting up call centres in um, unemployed areas, high unemployment areas, an era that people may not remember <laughs> what drove many call centres, which drove me from London to Corby. Um, and we set up operations there, then it went on to Milton Keynes. So I felt I had a really uh, amazing uh, growth and development in, in the customer service, in research, in all kinds of areas, really. But the, you know, and I think today that is still one of the things that the call centre is an environment that allows people to grow within an organisation. Um, and then projects went international around Europe. So... Uh, spent a lot of time on the road, setting up call centres in Germany, France, Ireland, all over the place. I think I hit Spain and Greece. Um, so, yeah, really enjoyed wow. that, that career. And um, I think programmes was then taken over by Dimension Data. At that point, um, they weren't so fascinated or in, in, I don't know, fascinated is the right word. But anyway, the consulting arm of it was was uh, run down, closed at that point or scaled back. And uh, myself and many of my colleagues of the time decided to continue working with our clients who still like the work we did. Um, and I became self-employed in 1999. So um, been running Bridge House Consulting ever since with uh, a, a network of associates, new clients, all sorts of people. So, uh, and uh, have branched out I say branched out, uh, you know, working in the contact centre environment in customer service, but then also in technology spaces, um, you know, wherever my opportunity and my main focus as I grew in my career was about the people transformation, was bringing the technology people and process, bringing those three together, that hub. Um, yeah, so. What a storied career. I, I love it. There's a lot there to unpack. I'm fascinated by um, just your descriptions uh, about how the the call contact centre, the call centre can be an opening to the wider organisation. And I think at a time when there's a lot of struggles out there for recruiting talent in, especially yeah. at frontline advisor level, 
that we don't do enough to talk about exactly what you've explained and you know your career naturally your own skills work ethic um all of those things play a huge part but you're you were put in an environment where you're exposed to lots of different disciplines right and that's the beauty of the call center yeah absolutely uh lots of different disciplines and and also we we worked as a group we had the hub the wheel as we called it at the time and you know we, we handed off to each other and made sure that connection um and and it's quite interesting to hear some of the challenges that 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 you know these that are there now that we're having now are things that i was just trained in as a drill yeah you know there wasn't this separation between marketing and customer service or site it wasn't as siloed Mm. so um Mm. yeah and do you think that's a key part of the success that you that you had then that this sense of um, you mentioned bringing the three components together. So what it was process, customer service and technology. Yes. And if that was kind of that's been instilled in you very early on in, in the company, was that that's the key reason why you had all of this success? Uh, absolutely. Plus, you know, the customer, the end experience, the experience for our customers and making it happen is like drilled in our DNA. It's still the way. Is you know is at the heart of whatever consulting, coaching, or advising practice I do. Um, I, I remember you, this might sound funny, but I remember from my induction day, three ring, you answered, you were there, you were switched on, you were available. You know, we prepared ourselves to coming on calls. That is still in my head. Yeah, <laughs> as an automatic response. Yeah, absolutely, those disciplines, and also it was just the pace of growth yeah a lot of changes a pace of growth lots of sectors coming in whether it's finance technology pharmaceuticals so one of the reasons i stayed so long was i got to work across a number of sectors very quickly clients would come in brief you get you involved you get involved into a program for a period uh, and then you got a chance to do something different again so it kept it fresh it kept it real well that exposure to different industries different disciplines I think once you've tasted that that's what you want all the time isn't it 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 is it had made it super difficult to commit to um, any organization with a you know uh, only one lens kind of yeah but um but it's fantastic because although I was in the people discipline um I I couldn't my output the way I connected to my IT team or the business process people or customer service folk, you know it was always with that in mind it wasn't my task it was how we were working together to get those kpis to to be delivered i think that's brilliant another thing that kind of oh just on one thing and just remembering things because i um i started in telesales in a call center in london in wembley um not far from me then i was well exactly yeah and um one of the things that one of the few things that were trained into us was smile when you dial. Yeah. So you could hear the ringing, and or you knew the connection was coming. And in my even now, I'm still I go okay, smile because I know it's going to help me raise my my voice. And in those few seconds, it makes you go okay. This is about the person that I'm going to be speaking to now. You know, just being there. 
and so some of you, you know some of those things have absolutely stood the test of time um what i was going to say what i loved and would love to ask you a bit more about was um how you went and set up so many uh contact centers in in deprived areas and did you see were you we were you able to stay and see the transformative effect that had because i think it's often overlooked that call centers can make a real positive impact on com local communities oh, oh definitely definitely um so when i was in a project we were like there i don't know up to two years really um, and even moving parts of programs to corby that you know that that was several years that that i was there but you i mean some of the programs we did uh particularly in communities where i don't know so in corby it was a steel town um there was a lot of of factory workers they were not you know what we were doing was definitely different and i would work with uh, job centers and different agencies to get the long-term unemployed back in equally um, some of the contracts require different skill sets um, and ways of working um, so you were constantly challenged on the resourcing level um, to bring different capabilities and resources in so we invested right from the beginning on bringing people in some of them was just to get them back into the groove of work if they'd been long-term employed some some people who were in different sectors um, coming in to do something um, really helping them to you know not just by just having training scripts and practice with it but creating an, a vibe and environment where people wanted to belong to felt it made a difference um, and i think that's why so many of the relationships ha have stood the test of time there um, but it wasn't necessarily straightforward no. and uh, i made partnerships very quickly with a number of external agencies that helped us um, and we went after awards i'm an award queen right so <laughs> i think you know if you're if people feel that this is a place that good practice is happening it calls on all of us to bring mm. our higher selves. So we went up, we were early adopters of investors and people, of you know, every award possible, going for testimonials, encouraging people that you are part of this, this works, acknowledging mm. acknowledgement and good pro progress was really at the heart of what kept people going, you know. And some of the projects we did for some of the charity sectors, like I remember Bernardo's project, massive things. People were personally interested in what they were doing as well. I got. I must admit, I genuinely got goosebumps because I, I can't help but think of some people, who because there's a there's a real for the long term unemployed. Um, I've experienced targeting and help and kind of bringing those people into a call center environment, who had never worked any in any like environment similar to that at all, and it's a real investment. Um, and it's an investment from a team leader point of view as well, because there's some real challenges, because it's not just about how do you deliver the customer service element, it's helping people assimilate into an environment that's very alien to what they're used to. But the, the bit that gave me goosebumps is recognising that people buy into something and their self-worth, um, you can see it rising because they feel like they're contributing to a team there's an esprit de corps yeah. and um 
that seeing people transform in front of your eyes over a period of time, sometimes after tears and tantrums and, and all sorts, but seeing people transform is just so amazing. Um, so I absolutely love the fact that that was a, a key part of your, uh, of your background and your story. And it seems like you were ahead of your time um, as a group in in what you were doing in in that kind of the people focus in bringing together different disciplines was it you know you're I know you're very passionate about the people element and well-being within our um, industry and our environment what kind of shaped that and how does that and how does that impact in how you show up now today so number one win-win that's my philosophy if you look for the win-win, the win-win for the individual, uh, yourself, the work, the organisation, then you, you get behind the motive and the intent of what, of what needs to happen or why people are there. Um, and we were relaxed. Many people were there for a part-time work or part of their journey. Some were wanting to take it the whole way. So I think if we continue to be interested and, and understand each other's motives and intent, then it, it helps for it to be more authentic. I mean, we created adaptive resourcing patterns for all sorts of folk because it made a difference to the clients or it made a difference to the work. Um, so when you look for the win-win, your modeling has that bit more flex. Um, and particularly where we were situated and sometimes where you're situated, the, the resource pool that you're pulling on the local community will will bring in so many folk um well you know for some of the work we were doing we needed we needed to attract uh, technical expertise language expertise um so you know being known for a place to be investing because when i graduated with a history degree i didn't know what the word telemarketing meant yeah. I, I didn't know um what i was getting into I did know I love communicating. I love making a difference to people uh, and working with the public. And, you know, then the mechanism for doing that was called telemarketing. And yeah. whether it was researching, selling, servicing, whatever it was, it, it brought in many of those elements. Um, so I, I think still today, not think, I know today that is still a heart. Because when, we when, when you're looking for diverse people and resources and you, you need to move at pace and get people involved and want to stay involved. And, you know, retention was a real issue at times for folk. Um, and this is where I think, you know, the drivers around KPIs and cost modelling really didn't necessarily do the contact centre environment um, no. a favour. And even today, we've got that challenge now. It, you know, I feel like the, the pendulum is swinging back towards the middle where investing in, in people, investing in the culture um, and bringing together that, you know, if you want peak performance, if you want people to be more culturally resilient, that you've, they've got to be robust and a readiness for change. So, um, sorry, I can no, go. I, I, <laughs> do you know what? That's a really interesting segue because I completely agree around... Um, an over let's say an over focus on kpis i think is if you're in any kind of leadership position at any level 
there's a responsibility in how you use those KPIs because if you're an advisor on the phones, being hammered with the minutiae, and we all know this, don't we, the minutiae of KPIs about your every moment, if you're hammered with that, that, I think, creates such a mental load that that's a problem why we don't allow people, we don't we see attrition because we don't see, it's a key factor, I think, in we we could use KPIs for informative reasons and to look at making changes as a group, but to, and, you know, yeah, of course, look at outliers and check things, but to be hammering people when you're asking them to deliver a lovely customer interaction, but if their primary focus is their productivity stats and how many more must I do today and just yeah. to that I think is so detrimental to delivering customer experience and uh, an individual level and a devisor's well-being. Um, it is interesting to hear you say that. And when you say the pendulum swinging, do you think it's swinging back to KPIs or to more towards um, more people focus? Um, I, I think KPIs always there. Yeah, and they have their performance. A performance environment needs to have a, you know, absolutely that, yeah that framework. I think the um, investment between you know the glow of digital. <laughs> I, I call it the glow of digital. Versus, <laughs> yeah. You know, because the, the the threat of people in the contact center environment and, and the people element of it being seen as a high expensive resource and you know cost burden has you know, gone in and out and, you know, in the time that I've been in the, in the sector, there should be no more people because it would have been all done. <laughs> However, we know it's a blended solution. Life is a blended solution. Mm. And as organizations compete on service and, and their brand and that customer connection and experience management, therefore, you've got to bring your people on that journey. And whether they're communicating in the chat or they're communicating, um, in an escalation or complaints or wherever they're communicating they need to show up you know and I, i'm noticing you know when i'm on the end of phone calls with people working um in a hybrid scenario right now um the ones who are not getting any um team time or downtime they're extending the conversation with me and ha and they're having a little chat with me you know because yeah. you know they've done the business and they'd like to have a chat yeah um, that works for me because I can, you know, learn more or ask more, but not necessarily, you know, there's a place for both, isn't it? That person yeah. shouldn't need the customer call as the only time they really get to have a, a team chat, which they might miss out from being in the office. So, you know, but all organisations are learning. They're learning how to be in this new space. As a, as a fully paid up member of um, international, like the, the, the great things you can learn from working outside of the UK. I just want to go back and ask you about your experiences of setting up um, call centres in, in other countries. Um, what was that like? Well, um, the Heidelberg and I, I think that, what was that like? Um, well, I did that with, I had a UK team and, a, um, and we'd have the local team as well. Um, and I would say every country has its own cultural norms, so you've got to take those. 
in, in straight up into account. Um, the, the principles are the same. There are some sort of universal principles. I think it was fun, really. I mean, I, I, I did an Alliance General in, in Brussels for a good two years. Um, and, and the union environment there, the union was organised, informed and very supportive. And the relationship between the organisation and the union was very different to the way we see it in the UK. Um, you know, and, and they made a difference and they encouraged people to raise their standards there. Um, the local people saw the work in a different manner. So I, I think that's what's fascinating. Um, then I think when I was at Wantel, I ran a project where uh, we had the Indian uh, team, we had the UK team, the Irish team. Um, and again, you, you, you know, right from whether it's the briefing, the scripting, the, the you know, the solutions, the whole thing, how uh, so I think in, we, we used to have teams come to the UK to create a sort of normalized way of how they dealt with the customer but depending on where that customer was calling from they had different expectations mm. and mm. that's okay isn't it that's okay. yeah it's it's um you know I remember for a long time there was this concern about accents and how people you know enunciated or came across and what names they had and depending on you know where the customers were coming from did they need to adopt new names to be seen as a, a local person and you know they'd have cultural sensitivity training so it to, to me it was rather fascinating um, yeah yeah well I, I can remember um working in uh do running a telemarketing team in turkey and straight away I went to my kind of toolkit and said here's what we're going to do we're going to do this this and one of the one of the parts was quite scripted word pattern call it what you will it, you yeah. know it wasn't word for word but I, I said this is what we're going to do and my kind of project team very very nicely were like look that's that's not going to work um that don't do it and I, I was very committed I said no I, I promise you you'll see the benefits it fell on its face because um regardless of the service that we were talking to people about mm. the one of the different as you mentioned those cultural norms I just didn't can I just didn't take them into account significantly enough that um it's a bit of a generalization because there are still differences but the majority of the customers we were talking to wanted to have a chat and they could tell if the agent was the scripted and they didn't like it they wanted to know about the agent they wanted to yeah. talk about families they wanted to talk about lots of other things before getting to the service that we were going to talk to them about that was the the dues that you paid to get talking about the the service and it it meant just kind of trusting the team a lot more and trusting the quality team and trusting in our performance rather than saying I've got comfort from knowing that everyone's kind of doing the same thing yeah um and it it definitely had an impact in terms of uh being more open-minded to incorporating completely different ways of working um and trying to get this blend you mentioned this earlier on this kind of it's the blended approach that works best always 
always it is that um and i think that's one of the other great things about the, the environment is that you can test and learn and you can adapt and keep adapting um and, and it's quite interesting because there's been a sort of drive over the t over the years of doing it to hone it plan it you know get it like a, almost an engineering manufacturing yeah. get it right every time kind of experience but we as individual as customers we have different preferences and different ways of showing up in different in in in, in different activities so how we show up in a credit control call versus you know buying something that's of high value or buying something that's transactional to the individual are all so different and i think that's where i was very lucky with both the international and different working in different sectors to feel a bit more flexible and resourceful mm. around that mm. you know um yeah so and, and i think what what you're also challenged with is we, we have people who've been in new organizations for a long time or there was a whole time period when sales field sales people were brought into using the phone as though it was suddenly i mean they were using it already yeah <laughs> they set appointments <laughs> in the first place you know but there's all this it's mindset isn't it mindset. yes behaviors and experiences so that's what keeps it fresh and interesting at what point can it was there a point in your career where um or has it always been there from from university days but this passion about um diversity equity and inclusion was there has that where where did that first kind of hit you where did that first hit me um well, I'd say my family background. So mm. my parents came uh, from Jamaica and they were the only, you know, my mum and dad were one of the few who came to the UK. Majority of them went to the States or Canada or are still in Jamaica. So um, my parents, right from the outset, were very keen on um, getting involved in the local community, um, getting involved and and getting on really mm. and so um that opportunity that you know they felt education education was the way forward and all of that that was going to open doors and and how you came across as a person would open doors um and they took us to lots of different things and tried out different businesses and my my family in the states and canada they would call us and they're all trying out different things so um i suppose being brave and trying out new things was was always there um and joining the telemarketing environment as opposed to sort of one of the more traditional mm. larger organizations um and and just you know me black woman in in business being in a leadership role in five years you know that didn't really, you know, that wasn't common practice, really. Mm. Um, so I, I've just felt that so many people have been great allies, mentors, have adopted me, encouraged me along the way. And I have lived a life and gone to places and done things that wasn't in my imagination. And I'm grateful. So um, and, and you don't know what what ignites it for somebody or opens up a door and then 
you know, that they're doing their thing. Um, and when I joined the programme, it was about creating platforms for people. So I suppose that's been, so yeah, so it's been in the psyche, if you like. Yeah. Um, and socially, I love travelling. So I think I'm, you know, I'm inquisitive of, of others and including their way of thinking. And do you think, do you feel like um, a role model now? And because um, you mentioned there the positive impact others, other people had in um, mentoring and stewarding your your career development. Have you, do you feel that responsibility? I don't even know if I call it a responsibility. It just feels like um, a what you do. Yeah, natural. It's just the way it's, it's the way it is. You, like I said, you don't know who you're going to learn from and who needs what next. So, yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm talking to you. I'm not usually a person who does this. I have turned down many opportunities to do this kind of conversation <laughs> to a wider audience. Um, because I've been the person in in the background setting mm. things up, making things happen. And, you know, it has struck me as I've done more research and listened to some of those um, reports that have come out that, you know, in the talent pipeline, um, women in the workplace is a certain number and black women in the workplace and black women leaders are like, <laughs> we're at, right at the corner of that talent pipeline. And, and so um, anything I can join in in encouraging and supporting that message on a wider basis, yes. Um, because awareness is, is always step one, but doing it. So that's why I'm so glad that um, you invited me to the conversation and making it easy for me to get involved and, and start talking because, um, yeah, the more people see that you're possible, then that, that's... I will be less of a novelty. How do you, um, this is kind of like a, a huge question, it's not a question that necess um, necessarily needs your, you know, bullseye answers, just more like a conversation, but how, it, it's always fascinated me from university days going into the call centre. I, I love the call centre for its diversity and I think I, I've mentioned before, I, I've had more um, women bosses and peer group than than men. But in terms of, um, as you said, the kind of black women leaders, that tiny, that tiny section of the of the report, how, how does that improve over time? Are you are you positive about the future and and what you know how do we do this how do we get more uh, a better representation of our um, communities in especially the senior leadership positions um well i'll go back to my win-win philosophy so first off i i think if we have uh, cultures and leadership and um opportunities frameworks in organizations where everyone everyone is on on a path everyone has space and opportunity to be listened to, to be encouraged, to be developed um, as far as they want to, because not everybody wants that. Um, so if you've, got a, if you've got a healthy environment for all, mm. and then you are providing 
um, specific support and encouraging particular communities that are underrepresented, for whatever yeah. reason, then everybody's on the thrive and it's not a win-lose, mm. you know, mm. or, you know, particularly as equality diversity has been a, a bit more of a conversation recently, not a bit more, it has been a more significant conversation in the last few years. Um, it's almost a bit like, well, you know, we don't understand this or that. We've got to be right. We've got to be perfect around it. There's a heightened sensitivity. So, you know, I, I think if everyone is encouraged in their in their daily routines and we give opportunities, and this is where I think the social and cultural aspect of, of an organisational life is important, then people get to know what's okay. So my uh, 12-year-old um, child uh, is, you know, in a school and my six-year-old is in a school where that is now being taught and encouraged, you know, but still, you know, they are experiencing people going, oh, you're interesting here. What happens there? How does it work? You know, mm. um, and I, the more that people see it advertised, show up, you know, it's just more exposure, mm. more opportunities to, to get familiar, um, the more it's okay. Yeah. But there are family histories in the wider society and communities that, you know, will take time to, to shift if they ever want to shift or not. Not everyone is going to do that. But I think what I'm loving more recently is people getting the nuance, you know. Yeah. Because um, I'd be irritated when people say, oh, well, you know, what do black people, black women or black men or black people think like it? I don't know, actually. <laughs> I can speak for me. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and you know you know i know i've i've got you know my family are caribbean orientated i'm learning more about different africans different asian environments that you know and in the workplace there's so much more research so much more information that shows different different people have different sensitivities and issues that can be addressed i don't know well i'm doing if i'm answering your question Martin. you are definitely it's 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 just great to to hear and it is it it definitely is interesting to see how um sometimes i do definitely i i feel more positive um about the the future there's definitely you know if you if you think about me i'm middle-aged white white guy but i know that there's far more questions about how do you become more active active allies not just allies from the sidelines saying yeah right behind right behind this can't wait for it to happen let me know when it does and um rather uh, you know the rather than or sorry more people saying what what do we need what can i do how how do i how do i know more what where do i start and i think the first one is that kind of education and like you say nuance of questioning and being able to say do you honestly think a group of people all think the same because they share a characteristic yeah. <laughs> it's kind of like do, do i know what everyone called martin thinks you know i very rarely meet other martins <laughs> absolutely absolutely and, and i think I, on an individual one-to-one -one level we can we can um, practice empathy 
Mm-hmm. You know, and that's a word that's been come over more. And we can ask questions and we can check mm-hmm. things out. Well, going on holiday, right? Wherever it is you choose to go, there's a curiosity that it gets ignited into. Oh, what's it going to be like? What's the weather? Yeah. What's the food? Oh, what will we be able to do? You know, what language will they speak? And if you bring that kind of spirit to your colleagues, to those in your community, um, then you will get your answers. You will mm. start to learn. You will make your own effort. And mm. so at, on an individual level, we can all practice those things. Um, and uh, on an organisational level, then there are practical things that, that need to be deconstructed. And one of the things I feel in the contact centre sector, which is liberating, is um, the real... Um, bias with education with accent there's so many biases but when people want the headcount to be achieved those biases get relaxed and I think that the contact center environment has been an environment that's really um, been more challenged and more at the forefront of doing that it's not always but it's been more able to because it's just had to so yeah partly necessity has driven things but um yeah i absolutely i absolutely love that and i think um we haven't even touched some of the other topics that we we thought we were gonna um talk about but i i've loved talking to you angela um we should definitely arrange to come uh, for you to come back and to and to to start ourselves talking about those other topics but it's been it's been a lovely lovely experience listening to you um talk about um your career and your your passion for our industry and and people and the sort of the forward thinking that you've that you've been you've bought and been part of for a long time um i've definitely benefited from so i'm sure the listeners have as well thank you very much for for coming on and um i look forward to us doing this again fantastic and wishing everyone a really good health and some good times in 2022. Take care. Thank you. Thank you, Angela. Bye.